Supper 2021, a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B. Hello and welcome to the fifth Supper podcast of 2021. I'm Hilary Rand, consulting editor of Supper magazine. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Tom Booten, head chef for The Grill at the Dorchester. Steeped in London's history and the destination in itself, the Dorchester is undoubtedly one of the world's most iconic hotels. The Grand Lady has been at the heart of London's Mayfair overlooking Hyde Park since 1931. Exceptional dining is available to guests in the Promenade, China Tang, Three Michelin star Alain Ducasse at the Dorchester, and the Grill at the Dorchester. Tom Booten is the youngest head chef in the Dorchester Grill's 88-year history. Tom, it is very nice to have you with us. Thank you very much. I like that. The great, what was it? The great old lady, Dame. Exactly. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, it is one of the iconic ones, right? No, so absolutely. It's, it's, uh, we, there's no doubt about that. Um, so, Tom, my first question to you, uh, very sort of general going back to, uh, back to the earlier days, of what made you become a chef in the first place? Yeah, so uh, I don't know, really. I think I just got sent work experience when I was in year nine over here when you do uh, you get sent to work experience for two weeks and I was lucky enough to be sent off to a really beautiful amazing restaurant called the toll booth which is uh, just on the Essex Suffolk border about 10-15 minutes away from my parents house and yeah just fell in love with it really and then after that Ian Rhodes the executive chef told me to well said do you want a weekend job so I used to do a paper round Monday to Friday and then Friday night Saturday Sunday I used to work at the toll booth that's most probably the richest I've ever been <laughs> living at home, living at home rent free. Excellent. And and now looking back at your our chef career so far, um, who have been your most important role models? Who do you who do you think you learn from the most? Well, I suppose Ian, like I just mentioned, was really I suppose really important to me because I didn't go to college. I didn't do I didn't really do my qualifications to be honest. I I just worked there for four years, did a year on every section, and yeah, it was a hard time. But yeah, it, it taught me how to cook. And then moving to London is where you kind of finesse that cooking, you know, kind of out of the, I don't mean it badly, but out of the country, it's a, it's, yeah, because you haven't got all the beautiful, pod, well, you do have beautiful produce now, how do I word that? Yeah, so out in the country, it's, I suppose it is different to London, so it's not as high pressured. So when you come to London, you just really refine your kind of cooking and what you do. So then I went to work for Alan Williams and worked for him twice, actually, went back as head chef. But yeah, I suppose he really focused in on that, making everything as, as tasty and as beautiful as you can. And I mentioned um, in the intro, you know, you now being the youngest head chef um, uh, in the in the Dorchester. Mm. So tell me, how did how did you end up at the Dorchester? What's what's that story? Yeah, I like that one. The youngest head chef. I, I think everyone thinks I don't age. I think I'm like Benjamin Button, but like the other way, you know. <laughs> everyone, I, I got told off the other day because I'm I'm 29 now. Like it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> am I? I'm 20, yeah, I'm 28. Yeah, <laughs> 28. I am. <laughs> So yeah, pretty much the hotel manager, when I was head chef at Alan Williams, it was just one normal Friday night and the hotel manager here came in to eat, loved it, wanted to chat to the chef. He wasn't, it wasn't no searching mission really. And we just kind of kept in touch and then we kind of kept working on ideas and then they kept approaching me and I kept talking to them and then, yeah, it took about a year and then we got it all together and it took a year to get the restaurant fit and ready to go and to get the team here and then have the vision of what we wanted to do, really. 
And and what were your sort of first thoughts when 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 he approached you? You know, the Dorchester, obviously, like I, I like we said before, right? Big iconic hotel. What were your sort of first thoughts? Was it was it a was it uh, was it a surprise? Uh, to be honest, no. Of course, I heard of the Dorchester. We we all know the Dorchester, especially growing up here and and knowing it. But I didn't really have any expectations, to be honest. I I, I don't mean it in a in a big head way, but I wasn't really fussed. I was more focused on do bringing, trying to understand what I could bring to the hotel and what I could bring to the restaurant. You know, the Dorchester and all of that is kind of. I, I'm not focused on that. I wanted to see what I could bring to the hotel. And and uh, talking about that and what you could bring, what was what was sort of the essence then? What you tried to create when you first started talking through the concept, and, and what were your some of leading ideas, I suppose, and your pillars? Yeah, so I suppose the the first idea when I walked into the restaurant, it was where I'm sitting in it at the moment. It was it was different before. It was more square. We kind of redesigned it a little bit, but the first idea I had was for the pudding bar, which sadly we can't use at the moment because of COVID restrictions. But so you couldn't go on it the other week, but. Yeah, so the pudding bar, so we made this bar on the back bench and then we bought a Mr. Whippy machine there as well. So in normal times, you after your main course, you can go up there and chat to the chefs and it, it just brings it, breaks it down a little bit. We're still, we're still very, uh, do you know what I mean? We're trying to make everything as perfect as we can, but we, I just wanted to take away that formality a little bit, still make it super professional, but we just brought a more modern kind of touch to what people think a grill is. I always, I don't know if I'm, I'm completely wrong here, but I always think of a, a grill restaurant, which they're not now, I'm not naming any, but is an overcooked piece of meat with two boiled vegetables. It's kind of what I have. I don't know why that is really. Maybe I watched too many Faulty Towers or something, but so I just wanted to bring that new modern kind of touch to it. Not trying to break the rule book or anything, but just try and get the best possible ingredients you can and cook them simply and with a lot of love and respect. And and talking about your cooking style, Tom, how would you characterize that? So, yeah, I, sp- I suppose it's really simple, to be honest. I suppose it has a, a touch of elegance, maybe. I'm trying to think of my vocabulary here. I don't have a big vocabulary. You're putting me under pressure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's modern with a modern touch, but we still, most of the kind of recipes and the way we cook is the way I was classically taught at the toll booth. It is classic cooking, but just with a bit more of a, a modern touch. I think that's the way to describe it, really. What do you think, Yvette, here? Uh, well, that was my next question <laughs> of some of the dishes, which I think were just absolutely uh, incredible. So two th- two dishes I want to ask you yeah. about. First, the, the lobster thermidor. Talk me through this. What uh, what came into your mind to 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 pair that with, with this really mature cheddar? I mean, it, it, it packs a punch, it right? It packs a punch, yeah. So I, I, when they first approached me, I started thinking, okay, what could we do? Because there was no way I was going to come here and start cooking over meat veg for two boiled vegetables. That wasn't going to happen. So it took a long time to realize what we wanted to do. So I looked at kind of the old grill classic dishes, what you do. You know, we have steaks on the menu. We have beautiful whole cuts of lamb. And then the lobster thermidor is, has to be on the menu. No, it's, it's kind of a British kind of proper dish. I don't know. I do love a lobster thermidor, but not that I have anything against a, a, an old school lobster thermidor because I don't and I love it but I just thought how could we just spin it a little bit but not being overcomplicated I don't want to come across that I'm trying to reinvent everything because we're not but we just made a beautiful it just happened naturally really we made it on the 2nd of July 2018 I remember the date because it was the second day working here and me and Adam my sous chef were in just in a development kitchen downstairs and it we were just talking absolute rubbish to each other and this dish kind of just happened <laughs> And when I first did it, Adam said it wasn't very good. 
Excellent, excellent. And the other one I wanted to ask you about is the prawn scotch egg mm. with the with the curry. Again, a combination you don't come across often. What? Uh, how, how did you How did you come up with that? It's not one? on the menu anymore. Actually, it's it's off now. <gasps> yeah, no. we changed. We put a coaster crab dish on. Actually, the tart. I don't know if you've seen it on Instagram. No, we took the scotch egg off. Uh, so for- oh, I'm devastated. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to come back for that. Because you always, you always have a scotch egg on kind of these grill menus, don't exactly. you? And it's a British institution. Yeah. So we wanted to kind of do that. So we thought we'd do a fish one instead. And then we put beautiful English prawns inside. So the first one we did was with warm tartar sauce. So that was really special. To be honest, that was my favorite one. The curry sauce one was good, but the tartar sauce one for me. And then we used to pickle cucumbers in-house and put them on top. And that was nice. Uh, but the curry sauce one, just because... It's Adam again, actually. He makes the most amazing curries for star food. And I always used to say to him, oh, these are like your chip shop curry sauces. And I said, you want that with a scotch egg, don't you? So I think we did it. We call it kind of our dirty food. In the When we're in the kitchen during service, sometimes we might make ourselves a bit of a dirty plate of food. And I said, do you know what I mean? This works. And then we, we made our own recipe for homemade lime pickle. Because it is British, mm. no? Curry, we, it's my favorite cuisine, Indian. And I love a lime pickle, mango chutney and poppadom. So I just, we kind of went down that road and yeah, it was really good, but we've taken it off. <laughs> well, I'm sure that there's, there's, there's new things coming onto the yeah. menu that, uh, that are going to be as equally as surprising and, 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 and delighting guests. So uh, thanks, Tom, for sharing that. And, and I want to talk a bit about your producers, people that you work with, because obviously uh, produce and, and what we cook with is so important now, probably more important than it has ever yeah. been before. So talk to me a little bit about that. So yeah, well, I'm very lucky because I've not that I've worked in best restaurants in the world, but because I've worked at high level, nice restaurants for the past 14 years, I'm lucky enough where I've, I basically know all the suppliers now as well. And we have a very friendly relationship, you know, go to the pub, see them, they look after us, we look after them as well. So I think that's the kind of most important thing when, for a chef, when you make a good connection with your supplier, it's, it's, it's important you, you keep that as well, because my, my fisherman down in uh, Cornwall, Flying Fish, Jody. Me and him get along great. We you, you shouldn't look at our WhatsApp because it's it's very naughty. He's <laughs> the, the Cornish people are naughty. They love it. They got a good sense of humour. Uh, but do you know what I mean? Once you've got that relationship with him, he's going to get you the most beautiful produce. They all come from day boats. And then my scallop my scallop fisherman up in Scotland, he knows what I want every Thursday. So we just have that relationship. And then down in London, I try and use a lot of London because you've got to support each other, especially at the moment. Uh, I think even all of all of the people who don't even work in the industry, they should be going to butchers a lot more. They should be trying to go to the fishmongers. I know it could be a little bit more pricey sometimes, but actually you're paying for that quality. Instead of buying that kind of dodgy steak from the supermarket, maybe on a Monday don't have meat and spend that extra money on having a nice steak on the Saturday night, you know? Where I think I think recently we've all become a bit greedy as humans. We try and eat meat every day and trying to eat these steaks, but we're, we're kind of giving the money to the bad people who are pumping to grow them cows and really quick. And I don't, it just doesn't make sense, mm. you know? So, and, yeah. And, and sorry, on, on that note, would you say that your menus are more than, than seafood driven or, or, or are you trying to kind of create a balance as well between the fish, Complete, veg and, yeah, and, and balance, seafood? Yeah, we have a, we have a vegan menu. We have a vegetarian menu and on the a la carte menu, there's a vegetarian dish. So normally how I do it is either two meat, two meat, one fish, one vegetarian or the other way around two fish so we always have vegetarian so yeah we we yeah have a balanced menu well now there's a lot um 
I was lucky because when we worked with when I worked for Alan, his wife Alison was vegetarian. So we were really I was really driven about making a beautiful vegetarian menu, which I don't think not they are nowadays, but not a lot of restaurants really did that kind of five five, ten years ago. So now it is there. And we get loads of vegans here. You wouldn't believe it for a restaurant what's called mm. the grill. We had <laughs> we had two last night. <laughs> which is absolutely fine, well, but Quite a juxtaposition there, yeah. right? So let's let's go have vegan food at yeah. the grill. It just in my head, <laughs> is it just me who thinks that sounds weird? Or but it's it's fine. I love it. So I love vegan food as well. But yeah. Well, it's the sign of changing times, yes, right? Of so I think. Uh, and and on that note, Tom, uh, tell me about your team. How big are uh, is your team? How do you how do you manage it? Obviously, is is it been a challenge? You know, again, coming in as the youngest sort of head chef. What's what's the what's the uh, story been yeah, like? Yeah, no. To be honest, it's been amazing. I'm, I'm super lucky. So I've got a team of twelve now, uh, girls and boys. Uh, really amazing team. To be honest, if I didn't have them, we wouldn't be what we're doing. You know, Adam, my sous chef, is at the moment he's like he's almost like me four years ago like he's now he's really creative he's running the kitchen you know so it's really nice to see that I remember him I first met him like five years ago when he was 19 and he came to as a commie chef at the Westbury and he was skinny and just got off the plane from Ireland you know so to watch him grow from a commie to now being my sous chef in this monster of a restaurant because it's a busy restaurant is, is, is really for me that's like really proud you know that makes me proud you know but yeah, we have an amazing team, all the guys. A lot of them been with me for a long time. A lot of them followed me over from the Westbury as well. Uh, we look after them, you know. We don't, we don't have, none of us have got egos. We're all as good as each other. We, we don't have an aggressive, angry kitchen. We're like a, we're a dysfunctional family, to be honest. They all go out with each other every Sunday night. I won't tell you what they get up to, but they, they have to do that, you know, because you make that tight bond. Yeah. And it's important yeah. for me that I want them to grow and I want them to run the kit. I'm not going to, I don't want to be one of them chefs who has to be here and has to be on the pass because I've worked for yeah. other chefs who used to do that to me. And it is, it, it's not really a nice feeling. It makes you want to leave. And if they all leave, then I'm back to square one again. So it, it's better for me to uh, take a night off, <laughs> which hopefully would keep exactly. my girlfriend happy. <laughs> So would you say that, it, it, you know, talking about sort of kitchen culture, right, that it, it's it's sort of much more lean as opposed to this we chef uh, type led um, establishment where it's very sort of hierarchical? Yeah, no, it is. Of, of course, when we're in service, like if I make a call, I make a call and the guys know that. But I always say to them after service, it's it's that, that service, do you know what I mean? When we go to the pub and have a pint, it's just a pint with some friends, you know. We actually do become yeah. friends. They do become your family, you know, like. Me and Adam are like brothers, I guess, in a weird way. And we've got Freddie here as well. And they've all been with us for a long time. So, yeah, we. I hate getting called chef. I have the hotel laugh at me because, I don't know, it's a very hotel thing to walk around with your name on your jacket and what position you are. And if you look at mine, I refuse to have it. Because, <laughs> I, I don't know, I just really, I don't know, it doesn't sit with me very nice. So everyone calls me Tom. My mum called me, my mum and dad called me Tom. So I don't want to be called chef. <laughs> well, great. I'm, I'm going to refer you only as Tom as <laughs> no, well. You, you so can that's, call me uh, chef. <laughs> <laughs> and, and tell me, um, what kept you busy during lockdown? How did you keep in touch with your team? What were you, what were you guys up so, to? So yeah, we, we made sure we kept, the hotel were amazing. They really looked after us as a collection. They, uh, we, we were so lucky we didn't have to get rid of anyone. We made sure we paid everyone 100%. We very looked after people. I basically become a HR manager. I think that's now after lockdown, I've come back and thought to myself, God, my job is just to be a manager, really. I don't have to be on the stove every day cooking, you know. It's about keeping everyone happy and giving them the cheeky night off when you can and making sure 
making them calls, you know. So now I shut the restaurant Monday, Tuesday, and we shut it Sunday night. So we might work hard for them four days. And Wednesday, Thursdays are always our hardest days, but because we have to push on the mise en place. But then they have their Sunday nights off Monday, Tuesdays, you know. Oh, Great. Um, in, in term... Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it was about what uh, what kept you uh, busy during oh, lockdown. Yeah. Were you developing new dishes yeah, yeah. And, and how keeping how we were keeping in touch? As yes, well? so we, we developed loads of dishes. I made Christmas menu for that Christmas, what we didn't even do. I made menus. I've made about eight different menus, about 13 different budgets. And then we just all sat at home, really. But no, for the every day we did something, we were trying to keep them up early, especially for... I, so I felt really sorry for a lot of them because a lot of them from the, the few who are from foreign countries and they're by themselves and sitting in and they get paid good. But I remember that feeling of not being paid a lot of money and then especially living in London, you know, it is and you've got to pay that rent. So I made sure I got in touch with Flying Fish, HD Walter, who are my meat and fish suppliers. And we were sending them boxes to a few of the guys just to keep them some food because it was expensive. Huh? I, I, even I was spending yeah. loads of money because we don't sit at home. We're at work all day, so we don't buy food for ourselves. So to be able to do it for seven days a week was pretty tough. But yeah, we're doing Zoom trainings. We did a lot of alcohol trainings, which was really good. So we're all masters on champagne, wine, whiskeys. Uh, that was really fun, actually. And we, How many quizzes did you do? I think I did enough quizzes to... Uh, crikey, I don't want to do another quiz in my life, to be honest. <laughs> Did you win any? Well, I did because luckily my girlfriend's very clever, so I I wouldn't. But yeah, Rachel did. <laughs> How many quizzes did you do? Too many quizzes, huh? Yeah, there were there were a lot, uh, but you know, always a nice uh, social event. Yeah. Uh, but but I think uh, I think I've I've done my fair share for uh, for the future years to come. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we kept everyone we kept everyone in tune, you know, and we did a lot of training, so yeah. it was good. We didn't lose anyone, so that was amazing. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, you touched upon it, uh, uh, master of, of champagne. So I want to ask you about the drink side of yes. things, because obviously, you know, we, we talk about food a lot, uh, but 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 how you pair it um, and and what works with your dishes. Uh, tell me a bit about how you how you work with your um, uh, head sommelier and your head of bar on on developing sort of those combinations. Yeah, so it's a big thing I, I'm doing now as well, trying to, yeah. So we've got Federico behind the bar. So he's, he's still quite young. He just got promoted, actually, to head barman yesterday for us, which is big congratulations for him. But, yeah, me and him worked really closely at the start. We worked on all these cocktails. We got the Cheeky Chap, which is obviously named after me. And we got all of these different cocktails, what we worked on. And me and him worked work together, really. Obviously, he knows what he's doing, but I know what I, I know what I think's nice, if that makes sense. Not that I know a lot, but... So, yeah, and at the moment we're working on something really cool as well for the when the Bond film comes out. So that's going to be fun. Mm. So, yeah, we, I work really closely with Federico and he's yeah really open to it. We've made Sunday beef cocktails. We've made, yeah, so he, he's really cool. And then luckily we've got a master sommelier in house as well, uh, Chris, who's absolutely amazing. Master Som uh, from France. And when I first joined, I wanted to do a lot of British wines because we wanted to kind of go down that British kind of route. Obviously, I'm not saying everything's British what we do because I have lemons in the kitchen, so I'm not I'm not saying that. But basically, he really helped me doing it as well. He doesn't have an ego or anything like that. We literally lined our, line, our, our wine vault, which is quite a long room, full with English wines. And me and Chris were in there for about 12 hours one day before we opened. But even Chris was shocked about how good all of these English sparkling, these whites, and even the reds are at the moment. So we've got a lot of them on our menus. Then obviously, we've got the Dorchester Bible, which is all the all the wines, what Chris does. And then Eugenio is our head som as well for the restaurant. Me and him work really closely. He's really big on training the guys. 
we wanted to keep it approachable, you know. So at the moment on the wine list, we have a, a glass of white from uh, North Northern Spain. I tried it yesterday, Rioja, but a white one, and it's £7 a glass, you know. So people always have this perception about how, oh, we're really expensive here. You can come here and have a £30 lunch menu, and you can have a glass of Rioja from Spain for £7. So I don't know, we wanted to kind of keep it affordable and reasonable and approachable as well. And and have you seen now after this last lockdown, let's yeah. call it, um, people coming back to the restaurants? What what's the sort of sentiment? Are people focusing more on like we said, vegan, vegetarian? Are they ordering more non-alcoholic cocktails? Have you seen any sort of shifts, or people just want to indulge? Well, I think when we did the pop up on the roof, I think everyone wanted to indulge. That first night, what was it? The twelfth of May, wasn't it? It was like ages. Seventeenth. Uh, Twelfth of April is when we when the outside. when the restrictions stopped, and then it was seventeenth of oh, May. Yeah, of, so that was yeah the one in April when we were cooking outside on the pop up. That first night, everyone was indulging. You could see, but it was beautiful to see. Everyone was so happy. I think it taught quite a lot of customers as well to maybe respect or appreciate more what hospitality people do. You know, because we've all worked in places where we get the few odd grumpy customers who are never happy. But I think now we've everyone's been super happy. And really wants to come out and enjoy it, you know. I think everyone now realizes sitting around a dinner table with your family or your friends is super important because it's it can be quickly taken away from you. And Tom, you mentioned the the Dorchester rooftop pop up. Um, so it's it has different chefs rotating throughout, yeah. right? So you did the pop up there, I believe, in April. Uh, tell me a bit. Did you have the same menu? Did you make other uh, dishes? What uh, what what happened um, on the rooftop? So it was a bit of my stupid idea, really. Sometimes I just keep my mouth shut. But I said to the hotel, <laughs> "Oh, there's a view up there. It's amazing." And they, they we've never done anything with it. So I said why don't we try and put a restaurant up there? And then it just grew and grew. And then we were only going to do like 40 covers, 40 for lunch, 40 for dinner. And then when it grew and grew, and then I went on Saturday Kitchen and I spoke about it when I shouldn't have spoke about it. But obviously, if you're on national TV, you need to push what you're about to do. So I got a little slap on the wrist. But then when we started doing 200 covers a day, all day dining, now now they're in love with me. <laughs> but yeah, it was tough because we were cooking out of a bedroom. So it wasn't a restaurant. We had a little pantry kitchen on the eighth floor underneath and Adam and three guys were in there. And then I was outside with a couple of barbecues doing the starters. And now it's grew. So I did the first two weeks. And then John philippe from Decast did the next two weeks. Then Mario, the executive chef downstairs, did a Sri Lankan pop-up for three weeks. Then we just had Francesco Mazzi. Then we've just had the most amazing Mexican uh, restaurant come in and do it. And then yesterday we started the Beverly Hills one. So Beverly Hills sent over all of their recipes from our property out in LA. And we just started doing that one. It looks, I don't know, it's obviously working as the, yeah, because it's looking even better up there. They just redid it all and it's looking great. So yeah, it's a nice summer one. So great idea, Tom. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But it was a hard two weeks. I tell you, it was most probably the hardest two weeks of my life. We were only open for 13 days. It felt like so much longer. There's a reason why I don't do all day dining. Now I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> exactly and and tom as you kind of wrap up our discussion uh, for today uh, tell me what's new on the horizon for you what are some of your ideas that you want to bring to life in your current role that you know fingers crossed that this was the last of the lockdowns we saw what's what's uh, what's coming up next so i think because obviously we only opened in 2019 so we only really got five months of opening and then we had to close so I, I, at the moment, we're still trying to do or doing what I set out two and a half years ago. 
So it's only now we can really start pushing on and it's good, but we keep getting better and better as a team, the kitchen, the front of the house. You can see from the first, I look at the food we did on our first menu to what we're doing now and the level we're working at now is we keep getting, every day we keep getting better and better. The team keep getting better and better. So it's really good to just keep pushing on really and achieve what we want to achieve here really. And you said before that you didn't lose any of your team, which I think in current circumstances is quite spectacular yeah. hearing from the industry how much there are staff shortages and everyone is really struggling. Mm. So that's pretty incredible. No, it is. Yeah, it is. No, super lucky. I must look after them very well. Well, <laughs> I, I'm sure you do. I mean, from everything that you've uh, told me, Tom, you, you definitely do. And, and it, it does feel like a family feel. I remember I was there a couple of weeks ago and, and it did feel like that. There was uh, there was none of this, uh, uh, you know, um, maybe what you would expect uh, looking looking around, but it was very sort of approachable and everyone was super kind and that the food, of course, was incredible. So uh, thank you, Tom, no so worries. much for your time and, and talking to, to us here at, at supper. And, and I wish you, uh, you know, great, uh, great uh, things ahead and and hopefully uh just getting uh better and and, and yeah thank you very much thanks for having me no thank you supper 2021 a series of conversations with culinary leaders drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of fmb 